Greetings, savory inferiors. I'm Mark Snedeker, co-host of Vampire Insider, the unofficial podcast of AMC's Immortal Universe. Each week, I am joined by co-hosts Christina LaRusso and Joanne Palumbo as we analyze and recap the episodes, delve into Anne Rice's library, and have in-depth discussions of other works about the supernatural. Today, we will be discussing episode four, and we have selected the theme of family. So I'd like everyone to say hello to my podcast family. Greetings, Christina LaRusso. Oh my God, <laughs> your podcast family. Yes. All right. You guys are the mom and dad, and I'm the ruthless child. Yes, it's yes. true. And greetings, Joanne Palumbo. Please do not kill the police officer. How are you, Mark? I've missed you. So as many of you may already be aware, uh, we've been missing Joanne for the past 17 and a half weeks. I know. Here's the good news. I have no more money to vacation, so there aren't any on the horizons. Although I do have in two weeks coming up my big meet and greet. I get to meet the original Elijah Michelson, Stefan Salvatore, and of course, the ultimate Damon Salvatore, otherwise known as Ian Summerholder. I know. I'm going to touch his high knee. I'm so excited. And then we'll bail you out, I guess. I suppose. Or just leave me to rot, whatever. I don't, I'll, be, I'll be so happy, I won't care. That's the spirit. Do we first want to do a hot take on this episode? Let's do that. Yeah. From a hot take perspective, this episode is one of my favorites, honestly. We get Claudia. Now, Bailey Bass was really acting every bit of an 11-year-old. I mean, I didn't really get 14-year-old vibes. She acted much younger to me than a 14-year-old. But um, it was so great to have Claudia come on screen. And it, in the rewatch now, I'm. it made me kind of sad because I'm like, now we're not going to have Bailey. We're going to have Delaney. Maybe she's better. It could be. This is a great episode. And I picked up on a couple of things watching this episode that I do want to talk about. And I hope that there's a way for them to fit in. I'm excited to have this conversation about family. It definitely is a family episode. And the thing that I think probably excites me the most about this episode is this was the montage. Remember when we talked about the film and reviewed the film and I said it would have been nice to have like a happy families montage. And then there it was. And now here it is. Yes. And, you know, they have a little bit more time. So you got to see some happy times as portrayed by Claudia. Mark, what's your uh, hot take? It's very interesting to see how she immediately starts to be political, right? And trying to set up her position in this family for best advantage. So who can blame her? So I love the episode. Of course, Bailey was awesome. Um, but I think that we're really starting to see some really interesting dynamic other than just Louis Lestat and, you know, Louis being sad and Lestat trying to get him to be more enthusiastic, vampirific. Uh, and then Claudia is there, as I've always said from the beginning, as a catalyst. You have this relationship between the two vampires definitely kind of hitting a rut. Louis is sad and lonely. Lestat is getting bored, so she really spices things up, uh, causes, brings everybody to the point of murder. So that's exciting. Yeah. So, Joe, you are going to be running the episode today, and you chose the theme of family. So take it away. Before we dig into the family dynamic, Christina, do you want to go into maybe a couple of those things that you noticed? Because one of the things that I kind of picked up on this go around that I hadn't before was two things. The first, when Claudia asked Grace what the mother's last words were, I know we talked about it, 
but it, it was just so significant when you're rewatching it, knowing what, you know, we know now. Yes. And I thought that was really cool. And the other moment was Daniel saying that he's been dreaming of old Mary's since Louis sent him the tapes. Yes. That's one of the ones that I thought yes. of. I was like, wait, wait, wait. And I rewound it. And I'm like, there we go. That was kind of our first clue that something was going on with his mind that we would have no way of knowing. We wouldn't have known, but that was, I, I imagine, foreshadowing. If we agree with, uh, well, Erica, really Erica's assessment, which is that Armand is in some way influencing Daniel's mind. Armand slash Rashid. Rashid. If that doesn't make you lean more towards that he is, I don't know what will. Yeah, I thought of it. I did. I thought, oh, that might be that might be some foreshadowing there. So that is one of the things that I caught. One of the things that I I want to highlight, I think, is going to fit well within your family theme. There was another point, kind of towards the end, that struck me as interesting, and I'm not sure if it's a throwaway or if it is also a clue. Daniel and Louie are talking in the interview and Daniel kept interrupting, like finishing Louis's thoughts. He said Claudia was, and Daniel said, a band-aid for a shitty marriage. Yes, that's it. And, he, and Louis said, I was going to say something else. I was going to say something else. What else was he going to say? I thought that too. What was it? So when he says that, I, I said to myself, there's something in there. That is going to be revealed, I bet you. When we see the new, the second, sort of the second or the retelling of the story or a, from a different perspective, I think we're going to learn more about that. I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I can't guess what it's going to be, but I just know that that was significant. All right. In this episode, we really get to see a family dynamic between Louis Lestat and Claudia, which minus the blood and murder is actually very similar and has a lot of parallels to that of, you know, your average family. And I'm not sure if we really dug this deep in our first take on this episode. And I just thought it would kind of be fun to do that. So I kind of have like some highlights of the parallels between when they first turn Claudia to the end of the episode when she's self-harming. And I just kind of want to run down those and then we'll kind of maybe go into some of those that you guys find interesting and, you know, pull back some of the layers and, and get deeper with them. Okay. So when they first turn Claudia, they share a coffin with her and eventually she gets her own coffin in the same room, which is similar to how a human family, you know, would let a newborn sleep with them. Then she gets her own room with her big girl coffin. She takes that in there. And like you had said, Christina, when we talked about the movie, we kind of wanted to see that montage of the happy life. And in this episode, we get that they go to the movies, they play games together as a family. They throw her birthday parties, although, you know, hers consist of three dead men as party guests and not other children, like maybe ours did. Um, but still very similar to humans. They fight like a typical family. And there's a scene even where Claudia says, you know, we do like mortals do. Eat, fight, love, laugh, sleep, and so on. Um, Lestat teaches her how to drive and hunt humans, which... Okay, the driving part, same, maybe not the hunting humans. Uh, Louie teaches her to hunt fish and tap dances uncomfortably around the birds and the bees when she asks about love. 
uh, Louie and Lestat fight about her going to bed on time and running in the house. And you really get like a image of a chaotic household trying to get ready for bed at night. After she sees the couples at Lover's Lane, that's when things start to shift with Claudia. And she kind of realizes her own sexuality and starts to dress more age appropriately, even though she's got the body of a 14 year old. And in the one scene where she comes down the stairs to go out in typical father fashion, you would find in any human home, you know, Lestat says, well, I don't remember buying that outfit as she's leaving more, you know, looking more grown up. And this kind of like where it transitions into like a coming of age for her as well. She meets Charlie. She does all this cute first crush stuff that, you know, girls do where, you know, she sits by her window, hoping he drives by, writes about him in her diary and plays little games like, you know, if he looks up, he likes me. If he doesn't, he doesn't like me. Like, you know, you pull on the flowers. Remember, Christina, like he loves me, loves me not. Of course. That kind of like reminded me of that. And then Louis being like the typical dad by saying, who's Charlie and Claudia kind of shutting him down, even though this was done telepathically because, you know, vampires. Um, she has her first date, takes things too far. In, you know, in human life, maybe a girl takes it too far. She gets in trouble, thing out later, gets pregnant. In this case, she ends up killing him. And when she runs home to her parents, Lestat teaches her the lesson that, you know, most adults haven't learned yet, facing the consequences of your own actions. And that was having to watch Charlie's body burn, which ultimately leads Claudia to, you know, this self-harm of burning herself in the light. And as we find out in the next episode, she kind of becomes a naughty, naughty little vampire girl. And uh, we find out about all the secret killing that she's been doing in a very sloppy manner, which leads to its own problems. So if you can see the parallel between, you know, you bring a newborn home, you do fun things with it, you raise it, you teach it life lessons, you send it out on its first date, and then you teach it the consequences of its actions. And again, minus the blood and murder. Well, I mean, have you ever raised a child, Joanne? There's a, <laughs> there's a fair amount of blood. No, I haven't. There's a fair amount of blood. <laughs> Um, I'm going to disagree. I would I say she didn't go too far. That's exactly how a vampire human date is supposed to go. Well, yes and no, but she didn't want to though. Well, you know, her nature <laughs> well, prevented true, her true. from having a human style date and she had a vampire style date. Yeah. I'm impressed about the with the way that you laid that out, Joe. It's it's exactly right. And it's not I, I didn't think about it in in those terms. I was looking when I was looking at it from a family perspective, I was kind of looking at it from a, well, I mean, I guess, yeah, family dynamics, but you, you've really laid out the sort of life cycle. She goes through this, this life, this life cycle with them. And she is at a stage now where she's ready to fly the nest in age and in, in, in maturity years, because of course she's in her twenties right? and she can't, cause she looks like a 14 year old or well, you know, Theoretically, she can't. They want to keep her. Whether she could or not, that's, I think, a conversation to have sure. in this episode. Christina, I know when we discussed the birthday party, we had some good laughs in our first take on this episode. And it just got me again, watching Lestat with a little bow, you know, around his neck. <laughs> with that hat on his head, his little top hat. His little party hat and everything. And, you know, it's, it's, I didn't really hit me about the three dead men. 
and how gruesome that was, you know, as, as hard as it did in this episode, I don't know why. I mean, I know they kill people. I know they've got, you know, normal films of dead people laying around, but I guess just the, what's the word, the juxtaposition of a birthday party and three dead men. I mean, that's quite a party. <laughs> I mean, that's hardcore. There's a sort of casualness about something that is really horrifying, but this goes back to their nature, right? Yes. Like their nature is that, that yeah. is. It's no weirder than having balloons and cupcakes right. for them. For them. Yeah. For them. Right. But for us watching, we just have to kind of go, okay, so that's vampire life. I am a little surprised Joanne didn't embrace that a little bit more <laughs> and say, you know what? I think it's, it felt good to have dead people. <laughs> you know, my next birthday, I'm going to have three dead men. Have some corpses, you know, <laughs> fresh ones. Well, I thought it was very interesting watching, you know, in the little uh, montage, the way you bond and have fun as a family or as a group is you do things that you have in common. And that's why it really struck me when they're watching, you mentioned before, when they're watching Nosferatu theater. So one thing they have in common is they vampires and clearly the people who made that movie didn't know anything about vampires. So they found that hilarious to see this parody of themselves on the screen. And they really bonded over that. Like, you know, look at these ridiculous people thinking that we're hunched over and, you know, we look like a racist poster of the Soviet Union. And then you know, things get tricky, right? Because she likes to bond with Louie because they have a secret psychic talking and she just finds him generally a more pleasant person, but she also bonds with Lestat over their nocturnal activities, right? She's definitely more in his style of killing than Louise, who just kills rats. Let me kind of pull a thread there. I wonder if this is going to be one of the points of contention when we see list when we finally get oh, to see Lestat's hundred percent because what she says in the diaries that I have to admit daddy Lou is my favorite, but you know, Lestat uncle Les and I have these, these things, yeah. right? Okay. So I think that what Lestat is going to say, she didn't hate me as much as Louis is making it out as it's been made this team. And that was going to be one of my questions was kind of diving a little deeper into um, what you guys think the, the relationship and bond is with Lestat from what we know collectively from all the episodes, but primarily from this episode and also with Louis as well. And kind of maybe get into that, the dynamics of, of those individual relationships. I, I so I was paying very close attention to that right from the jump, right from the creation of Claudia, sort of Louis. And again, this diverges from the book, but Louis demanding that and begging Lestat, please, please make create her. I, yeah. I, I just can't have her die because she symbolizes Storyville to right. him. He said, I kill, you know, all my people got killed because of me. I can save this one. I can save this. I can, uh, that, that whole lifestyle, everything that was plus, there about that, my, in, his businesses yeah. and everything. Plus he's still a bit in mourning over sort of losing his human family. Yes. Right. And she's a great substitute. She's a substitute for that. He also warned her when they were sitting in the canoe and he was giving her some life lessons about the dangers of getting involved in human affairs and the consequences of that. And he said the fire in Storyville was a result of me getting involved in human affairs and taking a kill to an extravagant level. 
And that showed me that he ultimately felt guilty and responsible, obviously, for what happened to Claudia. And I think it was all those things that you said, Christina, but also this guilt in the pit of his stomach that he had to save her and make it right because it was yet another life now that he was taking from his actions. So what I see happening here that I find to be interesting, of course he loves Claudia and he adores her and that is his child. Uh, He feels paternal towards her in some ways, or at least that's what he says. But the thing that I always want to kind of remember is that when they go to Paris, we haven't seen this yet, but we know this, he meets Armand. And Claudia has, even in the book, has the feeling not only does she want to be away from them, but she she knows that he kind of wants to be, he wants to have his own yeah. life. He doesn't want to have to take care of this baby Claudia anymore. In the book, it's, it's harder because she's a five-year-old, yeah. so she's little. I wonder, too, at a certain point, does he want to move on with his life? Well, and that's a very vampirific feature of their interpersonal relationships is that they really don't work and play well with others. Right. They, you know, even, you know, fledgling master, parent, child, lover, whatever, friend, they tend to, and maybe it's just the, you know, the weight of time. Right? It's they the weight tend, of time for they sure. They tend that's to it. break apart. But I mean, honestly, with Louis, Lestat and Claudia, you know, they're trying to form this family unit. So one thing you have to do when you're forming a unit like that is you have to have some kind of agreement as to how things are going to work. Mm-hmm. So they come up with one and it immediately is broken. No keeping secrets. Yeah. One of the big rules from Lestat, obviously, is no keeping secrets because mm-hmm. he knows they can talk about him behind their his back. Immediately, immediately no. Right. Yeah. Because she in the canoe right away. And that was, you know, very early on. She had said to Louis that Lestat keeps secrets and he sits on the truth like a chair. And Louis actually it was still like their, you know, honeymoon phase And he defends Lestat to her by saying, you know, that's just who he is, but also be careful digging around because he knows what, you know, Lestat is capable of. And that just really blew my mind because it was the first time I realized how quickly she caught on. She caught on from the jump. The very first night that she was and this, this made me feel a little sorry for Lestat, honestly. Can't say that she was calculating in this choice, but the very first night she says if you uh, why can, you can hear me you can we can talk to each other does that mean he's the dumb one right right <laughs> but she's there to as mark has said multiple times as a catalyst with the inclusion of claudia now you have the cartman drama triangle in full display cartman from south park what did you say no <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right, because you remember that one line where Lestat went, respect my authority. No, no. I remember that. That was like a pivotal moment in the whole series. Yeah, it really was. No. (laughs) Especially when they were like, who killed Kenny? Yeah, I bet you Claudia. Right, exactly. Claudia definitely did it. All right, so in the Cartman drama triangle, which is a thing in psychology, there's a rescuer, there's a persecutor, and there's a victim. And usually this, this happens in... It's couples, right? Yeah. And you switch from each position. I could see all three of them switching all three positions, right? Right. Now there's three of them. It's like the literal, it's the literal translation of the Cartman drama triangle playing out in their, sure. in their relationship. And it's very interesting because at times 
one of them is a victim. Somebody's jumping into rescue. Lestat is often portrayed as the persecutor. Joanne, when you're talking about the family dynamic, a lot of what Lestat is doing is being a, a, a good parent. He's parenting. He's trying to parent her. It's harsh, but they're vampires. He's Ward Cleaver with fangs. <laughs> he is. Well, you know, at the end, when he, when he, when I said the thing about, you know, learning the consequences of your own actions, but- there's a lot of adults that don't accept the consequences of their actions. You get a lot of why me, or this isn't fair and yada, yada, yada. And he, you know, instills it in her in a way that's pretty unforgettable and is, is, you know, fits their vampire lifestyle. Look, you, you killed this boy that you loved. Now you have to watch him burn. You have to clean up your mess yep. essentially. And I mean, we all went through that in, in high school. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there was this girl in gym class and I killed her. You killed your girlfriend. And now to, to cure you of that, you have to kill 10 more girlfriends. <laughs> tonight. It's a really hard lesson to learn for anybody at any age, especially in such a graphic way of killing and then watching the body burn, but that's their life. So to them, it's just, you know, typical Tuesday. I just thought that that was the moment where she really went from being suspicious of Lestat and maybe not liking him to just full-blown hating his ass. You think so, Christina? I, I do. I think that, and I think it's unfair. That was harsh, right? Absolutely. I don't, I don't think it's unfair that after that she felt abused because that really abusive, but I, I think that he did try and they're and and Louis and Lestat in, in the early days, they're kind of having a contest over who she likes better in the car when she's right before she kills the policeman. Louis turns to him and says, who do you who does she take after now? And then, of course, <laughs> ultimately Lestat, because yeah. she took off super fast and, yes. and rushed over to the policeman. She's she's fitting right into the murder goblin paragon. hundred percent. In many ways, she is more like Lestat, obviously. And and that's what the whole rest of the season is about, this power struggle well, and between it, and, Lestat and, and Claudia. And do you think it is that she really, it's basically what she says in her diary, she likes Louis better because he was easier to manipulate. In the in the diaries from the book canon. Yeah. That is the that is what is said in yeah. in the and of course in the in the book canon, there's one diary. There's not multiple diaries. Right, right, right. But in that in that diary, she does say that Louis was the easier of the two to manipulate, essentially. Yes, yes. Because he loves her so much, and he's it, soft. He's soft. But, <laughs> okay, wait. So, well, maybe I'm. Maybe I shouldn't even say that he loves herself. He is because because he she becomes very important. I was say to he him. loves the idea of her more than Lestat does. Yeah. His fantasy as to what role she's going to fill in their lives is stronger than it is with Lestat. Well, it's like what Daniel said. She was a band-aid for a shitty marriage. And I don't even know if that's all she was. I think that she was just the thing that kept Louis going Yeah. because for Louis, remember he's the same Louis that says, you've got to keep her alive. I've got it. She's got to live. I've right. got to have her live. I cannot, I yeah. can't have her die. And Lestat doesn't want to do it. And then he does. And, that Louis who puts all of that, like, she is the thing that will heal this wound, this yes. rupture that I caused with my bad behavior. She's going to fix that. And he, she's there to fix him in I his think that's mind. that's healthy. Yeah, that's a super healthy way to be. So it's not like love that's a, and maybe it is, maybe there are some parents well, that do this. It's but- love 
but it's not just love, right? It's love, but it's, it's colored by all these other things. Just like he loves Lestat, but nobody at this point is going to say that's a pretty healthy relationship you guys got going there. Yeah. Right. And I think Lestat on some level loves Louis, right? I mean, he's definitely obsessed he's with obsessed him. He's obsessed with him. But I think he's, he does love him, but he also is obsessed with him. And he also has all these other problems and issues. So I don't think you can say it just has to be one thing. I think he does love Claudia, Louis, that is. Yeah. Right. But he's got all this other stuff that's fucking him up too. Like most human families do. Right. Right. So now, Mark, what if we look at Claudia from like a nurture versus nature kind of lens? Sure. Do we do we believe that she loved Louis the most because he was easy to manipulate and that was just, you know, who she was? Was she born evil as a human and transitioned into this sort of, you know, killer as one thing we know about vampires is that they're when they're turned right when they when they turn into a vampire that's the end of their human personality development right now they're going to have to go, move on as a vampire and i think that has a huge impact as to who they're going to be for at least the first you know couple centuries right so louis louis was who he was right he was uh, trying to hold his family together but also trying to pursue the things that he wanted power wealth influence success, whatever it is, his his true identity, you know, really embracing his. So with Claudia though, because she was so young and I mean, and she was, you know, not well treated um, by her adoptive aunt or whatever she was that the vampire part of her, 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 now her new nature had an overwhelming influence on who she was. And honestly, I think that, I mean, if you think about all the vampires in this universe, probably most of them are going to behave Similarly to Claudia, they're, you know, a bunch of ravenous killers. So then you wouldn't blame it on Louis being weak. You would just blame it on Claudia being her true nature, right? Now, could Louis, with, by being a better parent, by setting actual uh, boundaries, by having a healthier relationship with Lestat, could they have maybe tamed those urges somewhat? I don't know, maybe. But she's still acting very much like an impulsive teenager. Mm. How much of that is biological and whatever? Who knows? Biology than I actually do. But you'd have to know about biology in a particular made-up universe. But I do think that because she was so young and wouldn't have had a super strong sense of self, that vampirism, immediate gratification of those hungers, delight at her powers – would have an overwhelming influence. I think that, um, I think that the life that she led before is what cre- created type of vampire that she could she very is. well. She did have a very tough life. She had a tough life. Yeah. So the fact that she came into that situation uh, and she was. You know, walking around the house and sort of going, is this mine? Is this mine? You know, and she couldn't kind of believe her luck. But at the same time, you know, she's she's now she's a vampire. She's got to kill. She has no compunctions about killing. Zero. None. Didn't struggle. It didn't bother her in the least that she would have to kill. Louis kind of hoped that it would bother her. Yeah. Because, of course, that was his experience. But she showed very little compunction. None. 
I don't know that that's a typical of a 14 year old. I know that that is typical of, it could be typical of someone who is, you know, already predispositioned to do those kinds of things. Yeah. Right. So who knows what was going on with Claudia before her death? We know it wasn't good. So I think that a lot of what she's doing is a part of Claudia's nature as a result of whatever it is that she was. I think I lean more towards her being just overwhelmed by the vampirism that the hunger power that she wields, Mm -hmm. that's just so attractive to her that becomes her personality. What I think is, however, left over from her human existence is her discernment. She's a very good judge of personality and character. Which makes sense based on being in that terrible situation. Yeah, when you are abused, Mm -hmm. figure out how to, what people want and what they're likely to Mm -hmm. do in order to try to avoid it. Mm -hmm. Right? So she she figured out Louis. Louis is a soft touch. Mm -hmm. He's easy. He's a pushover. Lestat, on the other hand, I like his style. (laughs) I like eating. That's Mm -hmm. fun. But, you know, he's more dangerous. And he is not as besotted with me as maybe Louis is. Mm -hmm. And so she figures him out pretty quickly. Right. She's definitely a strong survival instinct. She does bring up that, you know, her mom died in childbirth. Her father gave her away to an aunt who beat her. She dies in a fire, is brought back to life by the blood magic of two demons. She's raised to kill like her demon parents. And then she'll, she will always stay a flat chested, hairless crotched, 14-year-old baby doll. For me, I see a little bit of nurture and nature in who Claudia is or was, you know, at that point. And it's from, you know, hearing her recall her human life. And it's like, okay, she's got these, you know, built-in survival instincts as one would have growing up in a shitty situation, in an abusive situation, living in some sort of, you know, must have, I don't know, was it a brothel on Storyville, in Storyville where she was living or just a... She lived in a boarding house. A broken down home physically and emotionally. Clearly not fireproof. No, no, they did not have good fire suppression equipment in that home. Um, the one thing that struck me though, Christina, was when she said this. She said, the first man I killed called me the devil. The last boy I killed, the last boy I will ever love called me an angel. And I think at that moment, she really struggled with her nature because she's been nurtured by these two men, as she calls them, the her demon parents to kill. And I think as a result of that, she starts self-harming by sticking her arm out into the sunlight. So for me, it's, it's a little bit of both, but ultimately I think it's Louis and Lestat's fault that she is becomes this prolific killer that she becomes, not just because they turned her, right? Just because of the, the household. Well, and then I put the blame at Louis's feet more than Lestat's because Lestat did try to parent her. And I think he just kind of threw up his hands at a certain point because Louis was stepping in between. Louis's always that that permissive parent who wants them to like you. Yeah. So then they, they let you get away with more than they probably should. Ask me how I know. Anyway. How do you know? <laughs> Claudia said something at the end in that speech where the one that you're talking about, what is, what are her last lines there? So that means I'm on the right path. And that means there's so much more fun out there to have. I'm just getting started. This does not sound, she, yes, she's self-harming, but she's not suicidal. Temp, she's not playing 
with that sort of putting her arm into the sun with the thought, well, one day I'll go into the sun. That's just. I feel like that was boundary testing. I, I think that she just, it could be, you know, she wants to feel the pain. Right. That to feel. To feel instead of it being just all emotional pain. She yeah. wants to the pain to be realized in that way. And that's how, that's how, I mean, again. This, we're straying into psychology here, but isn't that? And none really, of us are psychologists, except for me. <laughs> I play one on TV. <laughs> no, I'm not a psychi- psychologist in any way. But isn't that kind of a little bit of what self harm is like? Yeah, is it can be. It's control, right? You're like, mm-hmm. I have all this pain on the inside, but if I can focus it on, you know, this, you know, exterior pain type mm-hmm. of thing, mm-hmm. you know that helps distract at least from these internal struggles. I really think though, her big problem is an origin problem. And that is, there's a reason why they don't make kids vampire. You can't, I mean, even though they've aged her up somewhat, the original creation by Anne Rice, which honestly I think is probably one of her best character creations, this idea of the tragic child vampire. And I just think that there's, it was really doomed to failure because there's just too much to overcome a vampire and also a child. Claudia in the book, right? The five-year-old, the way that that goes down, I agree with you. I think that they aged Claudia up in numbers, but in the series, Claudia, when they turned her, she acted much younger than 14. Right. And I think that they were trying to say exactly what you you are. You know, she's this well, like the title of it is, uh, the title of the episode. Great title. It's a 35-word title. The Ruthless Pursuit of Blood with All a Child's Demanding. A Child's Demanding. By 14, yes, you're still imp- you're impulsive, but you're not, you're not as impulsive as a five-year-old. And yet... Unless you have this life where you really have just been kind of kept prisoner by your aunt, you're abused, that can tend to make you regress... Well, she did say something in mid-episode where she was talking about, like, having money and access and, and, and all these things. And she's like, kill, spend, kill, spend. And for her growing up in po- obvious poverty, you know, the the being able to have whatever she wants was a bonus. But also, like, that just, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the ability to just do whatever the hell they want. Fuck you, money. Well, and fuck you, money, but also fuck you privilege of, yeah, I'm a vampire. What are you going to do? Nothing. Think about that. So we're talking about family and Joanne, you were talking, you said, you mentioned the birthday party that was, had that weird juxtaposition of a birthday party with pink hats and three dead guys. They keep doing that throughout this episode. When you're thinking about that, kill, spend, kill, spend. What a dreadful life. Vampires love killing. So during this episode, you know, right in the middle of them having their grand old time and, you know, laughing and joking, they get a phone call that Louie's mom has passed and they go to the funeral. While they're there, um, Claudia does say the thing about asking Grace what was the mom's last words, which I thought was kind of, you know, funny knowing what we, we find out later on in the season about the last words and her little kink about that. One of the scenes that was really dramatic was when they leave the funeral together and Claudia's in front and Louis has his hand on her shoulder and Lestat is next to him. And that was really kind of like a show of solidarity for their family that, you know, no matter how short lived it was, it was 
pretty solid in that moment. But I do kind of want to shift gears and talk about Louis' family relationship, in particular with his sister, his sister Grace, and the brother-in-law when they're talking about the house and him not being there and seeing the nieces and nephews' birthdays or her 30th birthday and things like that. And they're calling him out on not coming to the funeral the next day. So, Christina, do you want to talk about that a little bit more and kind of the change in Louis' family, not only with the fact that he can't go around them during the day and has a hard time being around them at all because of, you know, his anger, he had kicked the door in and that sort of thing, um, but also maybe like has Claudia played any part in his estrangement, do you think? So kind of like talk about that a little bit. I think that the estrangement was there because of his vampirism. He can't be normal anymore and he can't be around them because they know who Louis is. All of of anybody, your family is going to know who you are. And for you to then have to try and hide something like, and he was adept at hiding things. Remember, he's hidden his sexuality from them potentially. But even that, I'm not now, sure. Now they figured that out. Yeah, but even like Paul, I think Paul I think knew. Paul was on to him, and I think that you know Grace didn't seem too surprised, right? So right. as adept as he is at hiding him his identity, he's not with his family. It's hard to pull one over on your family. And the more that he's around them, obviously in this new vampire state, the more likely it is that they're going to figure it out. And they start to figure it yeah, out because like, he, because him staying away, then that makes him a scary kind of creepy figure right. who keeps showing up at night yeah. and he never sees them during the day and all, and something is off. There's something off about him. So they're afraid of him. I think the estrangement is from that. I think he had to be estranged because of the vampirism. What I saw in that scene was a very much Louis making a choice then and there in favor of his family, which is right. But do you think he was a little more cocky towards her and kind of like more like an F you because now I've got my own family. I'm good. Yes. Well, and for some reason he inexplicably brings his vampire friends to the funeral what was going to what was the good result he was hoping for from that did Nothing, they insi- right? i can't imagine that they would have insisted yeah i doubt Lestat would have really probably rather have skipped that event i'm sure yeah yeah so he does that in i guess if you really want to read intentionality into his character's choices these are beats that are happening off scene we we are off screen we don't see them but Who's going to go? Well, we'll go with you if you want us to. Well, I do. I want my family with me. And then I doubt if they were even that kind about it. Well, maybe not. But like you guys are coming. Oh, what a bore. There was probably a lot of stomping around the house and things being thrown. Although I think Claudia's like, oh, yeah, I'd like to see a corpse that I didn't create. That might be interesting. <laughs> well, and, and she did. It was yeah. it was kind of like an unusual ske- it was uh, a field spectacle trip for, her. for her. Right. Yeah. And Louis says she's she remarks. Uh, Daddy Lou says I'm not around people enough. No. Yeah, and and that that's a risk. There's no social skills, girl. <laughs> have a lot to begin with, but yeah. No, <laughs> like I said, I do think he. This is an important choice moment for Louis. Yeah. This is an important moment where Louis is really letting go of that family in favor of just further becoming a vampire, further which, being in his vampire family, which is inevitable. I mean, there's no way no, right. you can become a vampire, 
try to keep it from your family and still come over every week. Well, it was just incredible how kind he was always to Grace. If you remember like the extravagant wedding present and, you know, he was just a great big brother to her and a, and a big family man. And then to see him in that moment, I think that was really the first time we saw him with maybe the exception of some back and forth with the mom, but especially with Grace where he's been so cold and hollow and just not himself with her. And I'm sure that hurt her and, and the, what's his name? Levi, Levy, whatever his name was, hurt them in a way too, because they're, they're really seeing the end. And she got sassy back with him. You know, when, when, when the husband says about buying the house and she says, you and your white daddy, you're doing fine in the quarter and we can't pay you what it's worth. And you don't even need the money. Right, exactly. She, at this point, is resentful. And and there's uh, some homophobia that's happening, honestly. Um, but she also said, when when Louis introduced her to Claudia, then she said, is, do you think it's a good idea for you and your, you know, for you to be raising this girl? Right, because you guys were... And, what you are and because of because so as much as we as i've previously spoken about grace seeing louis more for who he is and and being kind of accepting of him because she says to him you know it's a better version of you uh in an earlier episode here she is saying well but are you raising a child right. in that you know, home well, you know look, there's, there's a limit to how woke you can expect a early 20th century person to be yeah and she's like don't bring them to the funeral tomorrow <laughs> yeah that was probably not the best idea no know? and it's almost like louis didn't get i don't know that he's even fully aware of how distant he seems to them because of course time is going to move differently for him now mm -hmm. and Plus, I mean, they have a very busy life. You have to, you know, you have to murder every day. There's a lot of planning. Yeah, spending, yeah, murder, spending, murder, spend. There's movies to see, you know, yeah. but I mean, he's in it. He's caught up in his own thing. And that happens in human lives too, right? You know, you have, you're close with friends or family or whatever, and then you move into a different circle of friend and family and you get fascinated by it mm -hmm. or you get caught up in it and you drift. You naturally drift. But, but Mark... Do, do you see what I mean, though, about his cockiness, about the approach? And it, it's shown in the way that they dramatically exit the funeral. He's just less kind. Yeah. But in the end, though, he gives in because the last thing he says to her after he kisses her goodbye is, I'll have the papers drawn up. So it was such a show, such a performance of, to me, I felt like, look at what, like, you're giving me shit because I'm not coming around you. Well, guess what? I've got the man of my dreams. We have a child. We're great. We're happy. And you again, you see that happen in human families that are fractured, right? Somebody's sibling and they built their own family and they may turn to you and the rest of the family and say, well, I don't need you schlubs anymore because now I've got this amazing new husband or this amazing new wife and our children are the best. I think though, when you are at the point where you're making that kind of show. Yeah. You're trying to convince yourself. It's like, look how great everything is. We're not, you know, at each other's throat or anything. We're definitely not going to murder him in a month or two. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> you no, know, everything is great. And you like, you just say it too much. It's like humans that are showy on Facebook. Right. And like, they're always posting these happy pictures and like, you know, nobody's ever that perfect. Nobody always looks that good. Nobody's always living this lavish life. And it's like, 
okay, but what goes on behind closed doors? And he really put on that spectacle. I mean, girl, I look how I look. (laughs) Well, you are. You're adorable. (laughs) All right. So, but for me, I don't know, because this is a big choice for Louis. He has to choose the vampire life. Well, there's no going back to the humans. He says earlier in the episode in the boat to Claudia, you know, I, I used to get involved in human things too much and this is human things he's got to he's got to pull back and his whole existential angst that he's been dealing with is this sort of like i want to stay tied to my humanity but i also want to uh i've I've got to be a vampire i am a vampire you know and he's he's treading that line and here to me is him making a final choice of saying okay i'm that's it i'm i'm with my family and moreover There are some times where you have to do that with your partner. You have to say, all right, you know, I can still not to this extreme, not to where I'm never going to see my my birth family again. Um, But you do have to put your your own family first before your family of origin. Once you have kids, you really have to to think about your your family. And it's really well illustrated to me when Lestat comes up to him and says, Claudia has expressed an interest to go home. And so, I mean, it's a very formal way to say, Hey, Hey, you know, you know how you do that with, you know, Mark and I are both parents and you know how you do that with, you know, you go up to your spouse and you go, Hey, the kids are tired. Let's, we gotta, we gotta hit the road. When really it's you who wants to leave. (laughs) You do that. But, but most of the time you can tell that the kids are getting tired. Right. And you, and you, and maybe someone's involved in a good conversation and then you're trying to wrangle the kids and you're like, Hey, we got to go. And that has to be accepted by the vet. And sometimes it's not accepted by the family of origin, the family. Now in this case, Lestat can't socialize with that family because he has no interest in it. Yeah. They bore him, but are we going to eat them? No, I don't care then. Yeah. I've already used to me. I've already, you know, done my, my worst with your brother. Yeah. I took him out. So (laughs) my work is done here. Let's go. Uh, Louis, I will say the other place where I saw him being salty, certainly he was with his sister, but with his mother, you know, he kind of speaks disdainfully to his mother's corpse uh, laying there. And I, and I thought, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. He mad. He he is mad. And he has a right to be mad because she blamed him unfairly for Paul's death. Very much so. I could, it was so out of left field for me, the way he blamed, she blamed him for that because he was nothing but a good brother to him, spent so much time with him. And it's like, do you think the mom kind of, you know, mother's intuition knew that in some way it was Louis's fault because he introduced Lestat to the family and she felt, because I'm a strong believer, you're not going to convince me otherwise that Lestat didn't play a hand in Paul's death. So do you think the mother kind of felt that in her gut and knew that? Uh, It could be that deep. It was just way out of left field, right? You got to admit that. Maybe. I think that when someone dies, and particularly in a situation like that, you would want to blame someone. I think it's perfectly normal that in in that sort of anger phase to go looking to find fault in someone, to make sense of this senseless, horrible thing that's happening. Sure. And so that could be where it's coming from. Also, it could be as deep as you're suggesting, and even maybe more, you know, who knows? But to me, I'm kind of taking it more on a superficial level that it was mm-hmm. it was just her kind of saying... I'm hurting. I don't know where to go. I'm going to put it on Louie, which she does. They do as a family have a habit of doing 
putting uh, hanging all of their shit on Louis. That's true. That's a really good point. Everything is on him. So that would make sense. Okay. And I think that that is what you see with his resentment and disdain towards his mother's corpse is this sort of, well, you know, you've always wanted me to be super successful and you wanted, uh, you know, the, you but, wanted the gravy train. Yeah. But uh, you know, and here we, you know, here we are, but she's dead. So it's easy to she be angry dead. at a dead person. It's easy to be, nasty and speak truth to a dead person yeah. because you're not going to then can't talk back do we have a conclusion to make well for for me i would say that the takeaway from this episode is very simple vampires they're just like us <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know i mean at the end of the day they've got family drama um internally they struggle to love one another there's a power dynamic between the parents and the kid and you know go to bed no i hate you blah 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 you know like it, if you look at it through that lens it really is just vampires they're just like us it was definitely a great episode to really build the foundation of claudia's love for louis her intent to manipulate him and just how smart and conniving she is and showed, you know, the dynamic of what she took from Lestat as a parent and what she took from Louis and how that kind of molded her into who she be ultimately becomes. I think that the very nature of vampires with everything that I've described so far, plus the fact that they can be very easily self-sufficient. And one of the things that holds people together, holds communities together, and even families together is mutual need. Claudia does have the need for one person, but maybe not two. What do you mean? She needs one person to kind of, you know, because they've set her up as the, having some kind of inherent fragility because she's not a, a 14, pretty yeah. close, but whatever, you know, you understand what they're doing. Yeah, but she does need both of them in, in this situation because, right, she needs Louis to kind of help her take down the stop, but she also needs the stop because she needs the info. Yeah. She decides though, at a certain point, she doesn't need the stop. Right, right, right. She's like, screw it. We'll go figure this out on her own. But yeah, I think she's figured out that he doesn't know quite as much as he's letting on and she knows his weaknesses and that's how she beats him in chess. Eventually. Right. But at this point she doesn't know that he doesn't know. And that, right. that is something that really fascinating to me about this family dynamic, which is Lestat is very much gatekeeper of information because he recognizes that these vampire relationships, he knows better than anyone right. how quickly his right. fledgling can take off. I think the best is, you know, kind of the line that Claudia uses to sum it up. She goes to all you vampires all across the land. Parents just don't understand. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. Mark. Um, Lestat is very cagey in the way that he's trying to hold this family together and sure. he's trying to use this information. And, you know, Louis cautions her about don't poke around too much, you know. And, yeah, you don't want to piss him you off. You know, he loves him, but he has a healthy fear of Lestat. Yeah, I mean, because you up. well, you don't get it as much in the series, but Louis is, is really curious in the series about, you know, like yeah. how do where do we come from? In the series, this Louis is much more interested in questions philosophical questions right. about what vampirism and like who what should What's we our be nature? i mean he has that also in the book but right. but um anyway yeah so i i think that lestat's being controlling and in the rewatch and looking at it from that theme clear as day to me 
that he's trying to control, you know, he's trying to control his family so that he can control his emotions because he's happy, happiest when he's got someone in his life who's admiring him. Well, Claudia doesn't admire him. And that, that sets up a big problem. She doesn't admire either one of them, honestly. No, definitely not. No. So I want to talk a little bit about where we're going to go with the podcast in the coming months. We are going to have the month of July off. Most of us are traveling. So we're going to take that month off, but we will be back in August. But I have a surprise for you and Mark for next week. Oh, fuck me. I love surprises. Is Ian Summerholder going to be a guest? <laughs> no, but for oh. next week, what I want Ew. us to do is I want us to take a break from doing deep dives on the episode and I want us to watch a movie. Oh, what are we watching? Is it porn? No, it's a well. Oh. So this surprise is really sucking, but God. It's going to be great because we are going to be able to roast this to Ooh. within an inch of its life. We're gonna, This thing's going to come out looking like Charlie after we're done with it. <laughs> wow. All right, I know. It's a little brutal. It is. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Queen of the Damned. Oh, dear. Oh, God. I've never seen it, so I'm really excited. Okay. Oh That's so it's, bad. It's something. I know, Mark, it's like your, what, first, second favorite movie of all time? Yeah, it's right up there. Yeah. It's right yeah. up there behind Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, I wish it was that good. <laughs> I wish it was that good. Next, on our next episode, we three will be reviewing and discussing. And that was a real surprise. Like, I didn't know about this. I'm really excited. Me neither. She didn't run that by me. Nope, we're going to do it. Okay. All right, so, uh, Joanne, do you want to just take us out for a drink or something? (laughs) I would love to take you guys out. Come to Pennsylvania, please. It's very exciting here in the Poconos in the summer. I really had a great time running this episode and coming up with a topic and a theme. So I hope I did a good job for you guys. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yes, I get to do it again. Can I do it again sometime? We'll make you a showrunner nameplate. <laughs> Thank you. I want to. Can I get my own parking spot outside the studio? No, that you can't have. Oh, all right. Maybe after I do two. But anyway, this, this was a lot of fun. Um, it was a great episode. It was an easy episode because it was so much going on that there was just a lot of material to really kind of dig into. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. If you guys enjoyed listening to our show. Please share us with your friends and you can follow us on social media on Twitter. It's at vampire underscore insider. You can follow Christina at Christina Gen X. Mark is at Mark Eats Peach, but we're also on Reddit and Facebook. So thank you guys so much and have a great night. Good night, Mark. Good night, Christina. Bye. Peace out, Cub Scouts.